Welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. We are back after a two-week break for internationals, which leads me immediately on mm. to... I'm David Fraser, and I'm joined by... There's there's three others here, uh, but one of them is Paul Finney. You right? Yeah, how are you, Paul? I'm not bad. Uh, how was the international break for you? Well, I was just getting over the penalty incident. And lo and behold, you sort of love to throw it in some gobshite gives another penalty, which kind of ruined it for me and brought it all back to me. So I'm, I'm not good with penalties at the moment. I'm a little bit sore. But to be fair, the one at Loftus Road was, at the very least, you know, 50-50, wasn't it? Whereas the Northern Ireland one was... Oh, that was ridiculous. I mean, it was like Rob Styles and acid that ref, wasn't he? It was just rubbish. But yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean... I'm Did, sure. you go? Did you go to the Switzerland I didn't go to the Belfast game. I went to Switzerland, but I didn't get in because it's my own fault. I, I didn't look hard enough for a ticket. And um, there was thousands of people looking for tickets. Anyway, but the, the, the interesting thing was that there was lots of QPR fans out in Switzerland as well, supporting Northern Ireland as well. So we kept the QPR thing going as well. Very good. And, Very good. and two QPR fashion were lost. <laughs> I really want to go to the World Cup, though, because it's 1986. And you, I said, it's all right for you, English. You qualify for it all the time. You just take it for granted. Oh, it's the World Cup. Oh, it's the European Championship. It's for us. It's a dream that only happens every four decades, and it's over. Carry on. Since that last tournament you qualified for two years ago, and top of the World Cup. Yeah. Actually, you actually yeah. didn't know what I said. I said World I, Cup. It was nineteen eighty six. I did feel for you. I felt for you personally and your nation, which I'm sure everyone's very very grateful for. My it was feeling. sad because the South got bullied as well, and that was really because I, I think well, obviously we can't go through. I'd like the South to go through at least because believe it or not, we do actually light up World Cups, European Championships with a bit of a crack. It's like QPR and League t- when we used to be in the old Division Division Two, whatever it was called, League Two. League t- no, it was Division Two in them days. I'm sure it was. So it's the third tier. Yeah, yeah. And it, the crack used to be brilliant. Remember going to the away games? The old third division. Like, you used to go to Colchester. You used to go to Hartlepool. The Russian and Diamonds. Yeah. Oh, Russian. That. Ainsworth double R. You know what I mean? That's all right. That's, uh, so I haven't introduced cra- anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it reasons why you fall in love with football, isn't it? It's kind of the days like that you dream of, like the playoffs, the internationals, something nice. QPR podcast. And then referees come along and ruin it for you. <laughs> QPR podcast. It's like um, Joey Warren, about Newcastle. And it? you're losing your manager to West Brom by the looks of things. Um, At least it's not Scotland. Right. <laughs> Also joined <laughs> by Englishman Chris Charles. Yeah, well, Englishman via Scotland. Welcome. In a roundabout sort of way. Manager uh, Robin Gitt. <laughs> uh, and we've also got a very special guest with us. Um, we'll, we'll come on to sort of your story later, but, but those of you, many of you are familiar with James Casling, um, who plays for the QPR Healthy Kickers. Have yeah. I got that right, James? Yeah. Um, and has got a wonderful story to tell uh, which as I say we'll come on to but uh, welcome James thank you and you're how old you're 22 you're 22 so when we say old third division does that <laughs> mean anything to you not really right okay <laughs> just, just do you remember Fraggle Rock huh? what Fraggle Rock Fraggle yeah. Rock yeah no, no. okay oh, we, could, yeah. we could do this as a whole podcast do you remember this do you remember that but, <laughs> by the, but by the way shan't. James congratulations on your award by the way Thank well you. deserved really really well done what award is that you uh, might be asking Mind Media Award um, so the show I was on Victoria Dobershire uh, got nominated for award and we won the award um, 
my interview was nominated along with a few others that she had done um, and we went up against the royal family and won so fantastic wow. did you get to go to the ceremony yeah oh nice one uh, Prince Harry was there very well spoken casual yeah couldn't couldn't he was very a lot taller than I thought he would be and he's very but there was um, did you get to meet you met him nah because um, he got escorted away at half halfway through so um, yeah and he came in late anyway so <laughs> it's, do what you want really isn't it? Uh, the life of a royal eh the life of a royal he's well, about the size of a centre half isn't he he's, huh? quite, he's quite big he's quite I hate the centre half sort of thing yeah he, he would probably be a good footballer or a rugby player yeah, see what he's um, doing Tuesday yeah. um, or today if you're listening to the podcast of course, the day yes. after the recording. Uh, so James we, we've got loads to ask you and we're really really delighted that you're with us because we, we've been um, trying to get you on for a long time yeah. so we're eager to hear all about you but before that we're going to do some of the business stuff which is talking about QPR uh, and I understand that you were at the game uh, on Saturday as well so we, we'd love to get your opinion on that before we run into the Villa game let me just tell you what you need to know um, first of all the beers tonight are sponsored by or provided by Stephen Meacham and this is a rare one that Finney you actually have beer in front of you regular listeners will know that Finney talks occasionally about his celiacness that's a great way yeah? yeah but you, you have these were brought in by Simon Rain last time and you have San Miguel gluten free it's, it's, it's like it's, 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 it's biblical this is marvellous this is this is as good as Moses part in any bloody sea I can tell you I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm in a week <laughs> where the church has complained that Jesus was depicted as a sausage roll, you are saying that gluten-free beer is the same as Moses parting the Red Sea. Carry on. I'm you saying might it's say. bigger than Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> if you were a celiac as long as I've been, even the drink beer is a miracle within itself. So turning water into wine and all that nonsense. Oh, if you're a Christian, sorry. Of course, it's not nonsense. Well, thank you, Stephen Meacham, for those. Um, and yeah. anybody that wants to, uh, I guess, join in the conversation and, and help us write the show and, and tell us anything that's on your mind, you can do so via Twitter. Follow us at QPR Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook if you search for the new QPR podcast. And you can listen to all old episodes at qprpod.co.uk. Villa. Who wants to talk about Villa, the Villa game on Saturday? Christopher? Yeah, sure. Um, I've still got a bit of a sore neck from uh, spending so much time looking at the ball in the sky. But, uh, yeah, it was. A, I, I just um, I didn't think I was going to make it. I was in uh, the fair city of Belfast, which some people might, might, here might know for a week. And it was literally plane landed and dashed to the ground. But um, How's your accent? Uh, well, I'm not going to do it now. Having spent a week with a load of people from there, um, no, it, it was great. Though. You were there for the Frampton fight. At one I was, yeah, yeah, were you? yeah. Well, no, I didn't make the this is good. Obviously, but you were there for work out. or pleasure. I was, I was there for work. I did Monday to Friday, following Frampton around, and, and, and then was brought home Saturday morning, so I didn't get to see the fight. Which oh, was, what a great week! Annoying. Though fight, fight week. Yeah, it's a little thing. I'll give it a plug. It's called No Filter Boxing on BT Sport. We just follow a few people around, fighters around, chat to them, and. Blah blah blah. Anyway, he's, a, he's an amazing character. What he's done for cross community is yeah. unbelievable. And amazing. if it's still on iPlayer, that documentary with the McGuigans, him and the McGuigans, I enjoyed yeah. immensely. I thought it was a great, split great story. Though. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Anyway, going back to QPR. but anyway, so the, the, the plus point of not seeing the fight was I got to Loftus Road, so that was good, ish. <laughs> sort of. Um, but I mean, first and foremost, Villa deserved to win that. I mean, you couldn't really argue against that. I mean, the penalty I, I, at the time, I was in the. 
you know, at the loft end, and I was thought, no way is that a penalty. But my mate in America was watching it on the Rangers thing, whatever it is, and he reckons that, yeah. It's, it's, but is it because his hands in plaster that it looked worse than what it was? Yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. But, I mean, I thought we played all right first half, and if we hadn't conceded that penalty that late, then then who knows? But I, I just think... <laughs> I don't know that the, the, the formation, the three-five-two. It looks like people have worked it out a little bit, and I know a few people on the mm. forums have been talking this as well about Baptiste getting pulled, you know, too, too far right, on. and so the space opens up. So, what's Falong need to do to? Oh well, to get I mean, he's you know extended I, stint. I've been championing at the bit for him to get in, and I've said before on here he I, he looks to me like he could develop from a right back into like a right wing or a right wing, wing back, and I think he'd be perfect for the role in Sheffield United. When we were in a bit of trouble, came on, plugged the gap, and and he was great. The, the trouble is, is, he's he's one of them ones that people, some people, are waiting to make a mistake so they can hurl at them. Um, Sorry, furlong. Yeah, 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 it's one of them ones that some people will actually, you know, because kids don't really. It's, it's one thing I hear about modern football: kids don't get a chance to develop. I mean, Alan McDonald was never the player he was without the experience that he gained from making mistakes and everything else. Fennick, a lot of them all came through, made mistakes, quicks, and all that lot. Before that, Gallon, Cook, everyone. But you're not given a chance to learn to be a footballer now. You have to be like instant mash. You have to come in, do the job. And do you know what instant mash is, James? <laughs> yeah. Stop making me feel old. But yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a confession to me. I had a few bits of. I think someone spiked me water on Saturday because right. I was a wee bit drunk, and I don't remember anything really. I remember going to the game. And I woke up at ball one o'clock in the morning. Everything else a bit of a blur. But I wouldn't have given that penalty. Even though you don't remember the game, <laughs> I vaguely remember. I was sort of. I, I'm sure it was. I've, I, I've got to buy the guy in front of me a Christmas present. I feel so sorry for him. You're gonna buy me a Christmas present? No. Okay. But why? Just sorry. Just gonna come. Why do some players get booed and not others? I mean, Washington. I, I know I nothing against Washington at all, mm. but he's had quite a long run. Not score. Actually, I think he's got four goals now this season. But he had quite a long run without. It's without a very scoring. good point. Um, but he didn't seem to get any stick from what I could see around me. Whereas Furlong's had a handful of games, so uh, and maybe he's made a couple of mistakes, which you'd expect from a young player. So, so why why pick on him? I don't think he's being picked on. Uh, sorry, Dave. I think it's a case of we want youngsters to get games, but we want them to come in the side and be brilliant straight away. But we're going to have to persevere, put up with, and support, which I think is a much better way. And then when we develop the player. He's more responsive. He's one of our own. He's been there. We've brought him through. Why people look for scapegoats, I don't know. But it happens. Well, why Especially doesn't youngsters. Washington get stick? Actually, because he has got what you've been just been complaining about. He has had an extended run in the team. And for all the things that people may or may not like about him, he puts in a shift, doesn't he? Yeah. He puts in the work rate is appreciated by everyone. And so because of that, he's given a bit of latitude. Is that the right word? Or whatever it is. Now, you go to Furlong, he, A, two things count against him as far as being picked on or whatever you want to call it. First of all, he hasn't been given a proper, proper run. No. The second of all, second of all, his name is Furlong. And that comes with an instant expectation yeah, that he should be, you know, a bloody good player and mm. he should be kind of one of the best players in the team. And those two things combined probably mean he's given a bit of a raw deal. But in, in this thing of the new era of QPR that we're in, you would like to think the players would be given time. I mean, the fans' form went on, but I mean, Ian Holloway spoke... Have you been on Twitter? Um, yeah. uh, Ian Holloway um, spoke at length about how much Neda Manua is one of the, his favourites and how much he's loved and how much of a man he is and everything else. And he walked through brick walls and everything else. But yeah, everyone at the same time said, don't renew his contract. 
You know, so what a manager sees and what a fan sees is quite interesting. I think at the same place. level, people are saying don't renew his contract, aren't they? Well, Kulker, him, um, Perch, people are just like, no, we don't want any of them. But the manager may look at them as being more experienced than what you need in the championship. I don't know. So. Uh, James, you were at the game. What did you think? Um, it wasn't a bad game. There was like a few mistakes. Um, but overall, it wasn't. it wasn't like... I'm guessing what happened at Nottingham Forest, like that was from watching the Twitter, that was just shameful sort of thing. But um, <laughs> that was uh, it was shameful. Like I saw the penalty, and in my eyes, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, but you're always going to have different views. Like the referee has a different view to what we see in the stands, and at the end of the day, the judge, the the referee is the the over person who sees everything, and if he says it's a penalty. There's not much you can do except go with the flow. Um, regardless of like younger players, it's obviously doing my football coaching. We've done a bit of um, coaching younger footballers, and it's ridiculous. It's like 99% of kids get thrown out of academies and all this. Like it's only 1% of players who go through academies from the ages of about five up to 16, actually mm. make it as a mm. professional footballer. And it's the same like when we go to England. We've got all these experienced players, but they're going to have to retire. Who's going to take it when they retire? So we need to work on the younger players. Obviously, experience helps in certain cases, but in like Furlong's case, like you say, he's got to have a good run of time before he actually gets to that level where he's experienced enough to play in the championship because it's not easy. Like, I mean, I play for the Mental Health League and that's got its standards as well. Um, and that's people with mental health. Like, Imagine playing against professional footballers mm. who have maybe gone to different clubs, like big clubs or small clubs, and the level is so high now that you can't just... Like I said, it's not... They expect instant mash when... You can't expect that from a person. They can't just boom, put on boots and become the next Ronaldinho or the next Ronaldo or Messi. It takes time and it takes mistakes and it takes effort. As long as you've got the will and the drive to do it. Um, but clubs aren't given that. I mean, that's what I mean. If you look at it, 99% of kids who spent their whole years in academies with football clubs, mm. by 16 they're out doing nothing. So the talent's wasted. But we're then just buying people, players from other clubs. And you saw it at the Villa game. It's just... There was a drive and they want to win and it's all that. But I've seen on like all the Twitter and all that that they've got young players that are ready to go. Like I mean, I've met Ryan Manning personally and he's had quite a few games. But he should be starting and finishing because that's the get only a way proper run in the yeah because that's the only way they're going to learn how are you going to learn like if you get 15 minutes before half the, before the game ends um, but like you say the managers it's difficult because what can you do really because the manager's under pressure to get results yeah it, it is it's, it's it's more about winning than it is about developing their own players which is why I personally think that football's gone down because instead of bringing players up 
we're just getting rid of them to buy mm. someone from a different country who has been brought up mm. and has had that chance yeah, yeah. I think it's well, interesting because you've got a system, sorry, dear. No, okay. You've got this system in Germany where you have to have so many of youth team players in your, your side, mm. so many local based players as well, um, because obviously they, they, they want to feed things through. Where if you look at that Villa side on Saturday, a lot of it is they're going through, they have to go up. I mean, can you imagine the pressure on them that they have to go up? Whereas we're not, there's not that much pressure on our side, but you, you tell that to someone like Man in a Furlough, if they make a mistake at a home match, and everyone suddenly starts because you do hear it lots of mm. things they say talking about the referee James I have to say if that referee could find his way to spec savers I will personally shake him by the hand because <laughs> he was outrageously <laughs> poor and it was poor for both sides a lot of way as well but yeah. some of the tackles that Villa were getting away with were absolutely shocking yeah this, this problem that we're talking about that players aren't given a chance mm-hmm. we had an England game, England match last week where mm. Solanke Played for England before he's played a Premier League game. Have I got that right? Yeah. And the other guy for Liverpool as well, Rodriguez, I believe. played for England before he's played in the Premier League. That is ridiculous. But they um, didn't lose, so... No, is but it that, if that doesn't tell you that there is a problem, and it trickles down to clubs at QPR's level, because we're talking about someone like Furlong that should be given 25-game run in the team, that hasn't been, and is kind of written off instantly but that goes already. to the other thing if you talk about international football and we're a football podcast we can talk about it sometimes I think certainly from I can, look, I can only speak from the Northern Ireland point of view when we were shade people were injured all the time people weren't turning up people didn't want to play for us when we got decent and we're qualif- nearly qualified and qualified suddenly everyone's uh, blah 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 Total of England players they're dictating when they play now so them guys that pulled out the squad don't ever pick them again because to play for your country should be a huge honour. It shouldn't be something that you sort of oh don't really fancy against Brazil. How can you not fancy playing against Brazil mm. or Germany? Are you mad? Right. What are you talking about uh, if that opportunity awesome. came up, you have to take it. Right? Even a friendly, yeah. even Tiddlywinks. That's, that's what I mean to say that you've played for your country. Like no matter who your country is, like that's a, like you say it's an honour. Like mm. because you've shown that you can perform at that level, whereas England players are just like. Can I be bothered? Not really. Do you have a, a, like an international team in your league? I mean, is there a chance for you guys to play for for England or, or whatever? Um, there has been talks of a mental health World Cup sort of thing, but it would only be between England, Ireland and Wales and Scotland. Um, and it would literally consist of a team. So it was, let's say it was us, it would be Cupid Health for Kickers. It wouldn't be... One gets picked from each team. Right, it's, like a team to represent. Yeah, the nation. it, it yeah. would literally be. So if QPR did it, so if my team did it, um, we would go and be England, even though we're just QPR. Whereas they wouldn't pick someone from, let's say, Everton because they've got a football team. They wouldn't pick someone from Arsenal. So if we were to do it, we'd be picked, and then we wouldn't be able to do it ever again. So yeah. how, how many mental so, health teams are there then? Too many to count. In our league alone, which is the North West London League, which is run by Middle Six FA, it is it's about good eight teams. Um, most of them. That's what I mean. Most some of the like in our league, we're the only club that's we were the only club that was actually represented by QPR. So on our on our team sheet is QPR Health Kickers. Oh, okay. Um, whereas other clubs have got involved now. We we play against a team that Brentford fund um, and. Barnet do another one um, but it's, football clubs don't want to put money into it it's, it's sad that is sad um, ridiculous as well 
because that's what I mean. Even though we we've got QPR kit and we get QPR coaching, we're actually funded by the NHS. So QPR don't fund us. Oh, I didn't know that. No, not me. Um, so, so basically, Park Royal, which is the mental health unit for um, Wembley, all that sort of stuff, we come under QPR's area of how they work. Um, but NHS paid that QPR to coach us and train us and give us kit and stuff like that. Um, okay, so but I mean, but, and but having said that, QPR. I know we're sorry, we sort of jumped right. forward a bit, but but you but QPR do look after you quite well. Oh yeah. Like, well, you're here. You're here tonight, James, in your whatever they call it, QPR shell suit. Is that what you call it? A kit, kit, whatever it is. Kit. Yeah. It's actually a coaching kit. Coaching top. Yeah, because yes. I was literally at the stadium before I came here. Um, spend more time there than my own house to be <laughs> fair was the ref still trying to find his way out <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure he was like it was, it was pretty dark as well like just saw this, <laughs> this man wandering along the pitch like, he's a bit so, lost but. so James look it's a good time to come on to you there's a couple of other bits about the, the Villa game and the rest of it but we'll come back to that later it's a good time to come on to you thank you for joining us so around March time yep. you made national headlines you talked about it before you were on the BBC I think you gave interviews to Lab Bible and various other things, yeah. and a really powerful segment on the Victoria Derbyshire show. For, for anyone that didn't see it, give us a very sort of brief overview of your story and how that came to be. Um, so, 2010, my 15th birthday. Um, unfortunately, I lost my dad to suicide. Um, uh, difficult. Um, so, it was it destroyed me and then I ended up being admitted to the local mental health unit where I spent four months inside um, being sectioned and just trying to take my own life in um, in, a, in a way like I was just trying to get over it but when it had happened no one in school told me what I was feeling or what my actions were doing was wrong um, which is I'll never forget my secondary school head of year said to me after I did the interviews he said to me and it wasn't in a rude way or um, a disrespectful way he just went that's how the system is failing kids um, because in schools they don't teach people about mental health like I was at the age of 15 and it got put down to just going through puberty um, which I don't know about you but I've never heard of a kid going through puberty who would cut themselves Jeez, man, and it was just that sort of stuff like I mean I was in the mental health service the adolescent mental health service then um, counselling and um, I'll never forget the last one of my last um, sessions the, the, the counsellor said to me he said maybe you're not going to know about maybe you're not going to know about how your dad died and for me that wasn't helpful that that thing gave me closure like there was the support it wasn't there for young people like I mean I made my first suicide attempt when I was 15 um, but no one had told me that was wrong and then when it got to the when it got to the age of 18 just the day before my 18th birthday I would visited the room where my dad took his life and I'd went for an assessment I went to the doctor and asked for help and I was on a waiting list for about three months to even get an assessment and um, I went to the assessment. Three weeks later, I was admitted to hospital for trying to kill myself. 
And they rang up and they were like, you've got an appointment. And my mum picked up the phone and was like, it's too late now. What if he had killed himself? There's nothing you can do. And um, then I eventually got involved with football. Um, the occupational therapist on the ward came to me and he was like, do you want to play football? So I was like, of course I want to play football. This was how long after you went in there? Um, so I got, went in three weeks after my 18th birthday. So June the 12th, I got admitted. So about the end of June, towards July, um, he just came and was like, do you want to play football? Because I hadn't been cleared for leaving, uh, which is the most difficult bit, because I had to spend nine days just locked up constantly for 24 hours a day. Um, and then... And I feel like it's... It, I love... Do you know what? The NHS has done a lot for me, and I'm not saying it hasn't, but the system that they have isn't working, right? Instead of going to an 18 to 21-year-old ward, I ended up in an older adult unit, so I was the youngest one on the ward. So I was 18 with 40, 50-year-old men and women who were suffering from mental health problems. And um, I'll never forget, my mum was like to me, don't become like them. And I, at the time, I didn't know what I meant, but she came and visited me, and I was walking up and down the ward, just nothing in my head. And she said, that's what I mean, I'm like, but I couldn't help it because that's what I was surrounded with. Um, the help that wasn't that was there wasn't for me. Like they sort of had this this book of this is how you deal with someone. But being eighteen at the time, I was the youngest one there. Mm. The next the youngest person was twenty three. So even then, there's still a gap between that. And then he came along, and the occupational therapist Tom came along and just said, "Do you want to play some football?" I said, yeah. Next thing you know, I'm wearing QPR kit, playing for them, scoring goals, and actually wanting to live instead of trying to kill myself. Um, and so then, so then from there, you got. So, so Tom said to you, do you want to play football? And then he hooked you up with the uh, health, health Kickers QPR team, right? Presumably. Well, yeah. So, he, so what they do is they bring you to the football. Mm. So you go to football and then you go back to the hospital so he would bring me to the football and then bring me back to hospital and then it just sort of even after I left hospital I still kept going every Wednesday um, just because it was something I enjoyed and it it did keep me alive um, for a while like I wouldn't say for a while it was still keeping me alive today um, but yeah that was really how it blossomed like I fell in love with the game Had you played before? I played. I had one appearance in my secondary school, fifteen minutes off, and I was off. So, but I'd always enjoyed football as a kid, like growing up and all that. I'd always wanted to play football, and obviously, like I know, it will never get to play a stage where I'll be playing professionally. But to just put on the kit alone and just say I'm actually part of a football club, like people, it's like a boyhood dream come true sort of thing. Um, but that's what I mean. Still doing it today. So and and <clears throat> obviously the, the whole fact of having that identity of belonging to a group is very helpful. But I, I guess being able to talk with other people who may have gone through similar things is quite helpful. Uh, and also with the coaches, people who are sort of specialised in this. Um, if I'm brutally honest, I don't I don't find it helpful talking to someone with mental health problems. Um, not, I don't mean that in a, 
a bad way. I mean, because they're suffering themselves. Like, I don't feel it's helpful for either of us to go, if one of us is feeling like rubbish, to be to someone else, because then that person's going to feel like rubbish. Um, but having the coaches, Connor and Nathan and uh, Peter and Justin and stuff like that, it's... It's the sort of I don't know how to say it. It's, it's I look up to them now, like they're they're my role models. Because when I was at my lowest, I mean Connor was a disability manager at the time. When I was at my lowest, instead of giving up on me, and every time I wanted to throw the towel in, they would make sure I didn't because they saw stuff in me that I couldn't see in myself. And then eventually Connor paid for my level one football coaching, so then I could play so I could play for them and then coach for them as well. Um, so it's just that sort of having someone else believe in you helps a lot as well. So James, the, the headlines on a lot of the pieces around you has been that that great line which, which you know, really sort of cuts deep with a lot of people and is quite an emotional thing to say, which is football has changed my life, which, which I think a lot of people get and is... A, a, a wonderful sentiment. Explain a bit more about that. What's it given you that you that has really helped you sort of turn your your life around in the last three years? It's it's, it's very um, it's more sentimental. It's the fact that um, that when I was at my lowest and I didn't want to live anymore, it came into my life at the worst time possible. Um, and every week at training I would push myself to be, be a better person and be the best footballer I could be and for that hour and a half while I was on the pitch I wasn't mentally unwell I was just a normal boy having a kick around with with mates and then it sort of developed because when we first had the first training session um, I didn't know it had anything to do with QPR I just thought it was and then it sort of like it transpired that it was QPR, and then they then we started playing with the for the team in the league, and then it just sort of I needed a reason to live, and that was the reason. I mean, if you ask my mum now, I think she's proud that I get put on the kit and I get a represent, and I get to say that. I play for QPR. Like I've been top goal scorer three seasons in a row. First three seasons I was there. I'm up to 81 goals now. I'm now the captain of the team, and just stuff like that. It was, it, it was. I wanted to make my mum and my brothers and my niece proud, and it gave me that. And it gave me because I had stayed alive for my mum and my brothers, but then after a while that sort of wears off because you think to yourself, it's like. I'm living for other people. And then with the football, it gave me a reason to live for myself because I wanted to be top goal scorer for three seasons as well. I wanted to score 81 goals. I want to get to 100 goals, which I've still got about four, five, six months left. I've given myself targets to achieve. And without football, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have actually succeeded in life. Like... I wouldn't be where I'm at, a club that I love and adore and that I feel at home. Like, in my messed up mind, football and QPR is where my mind just doesn't bother me. It's the place that 
people call it a church, but for me, it's more than just a church. It's it's a place where I'm not a mentally unwell person. I'm just part of the team, right? I mean, I coached for three years now. Um, I'll go in and people will say hi to me, and it's 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 like home. Like losing my dad, I didn't have that sense of direction. I didn't have that the place where I could feel okay. And then QPR came in, and it did. And it wasn't. And that's what I mean. It's not just me playing football. It's being at the matches, and it's me being at the matches and actually being involved in it as well. Um, that's what I mean. It, it's it's more than just kicking a ball around for however many minutes. It's that's what I mean. Like to put on a kit and just say you play for QPR, like. And so that's what I mean. All I really wanted to do was make my mum and my brothers proud and my family proud. And that's what it gave me. It gave me a reason for them to be proud of me. Well, do you know what, James? Just going back a wee bit to something you said there about um, not talking to other people who... Because mental health covers such a wide... Because everyone is different. There's not two people who are the same. But perhaps by going on the football field and competing and being what some people would say was normal... It's good enough for anyone. You don't need to show your experiences. You've got a goal. How important is it to get other people involved if someone's listening to this now and they're not feeling so well in, within themselves? How would they go to join the um, kickers? So if they wanted to join Healthy Kickers, what you'd have to do is go to Brent Mind. Um, so I don't know the deal, but they will refer you to QPR and then you can come along and all that sort of stuff. Um but for, like, I can't really give more details on that because I, I, I didn't go through that system. I went through the hospital system, so the hospital took me. But if you go to Brent Mind, uh, pardon me, they can refer you to QPR and then you can start playing that way. Brilliant. And can people come and see games as well if they? Want oh to? yeah, definitely. We play in Uxbridge, Brunel Sports Park, so no, by the will. university, first Friday of every month. Um, and it's just three league games and that's it really um, but we do go to tournaments across the country like in September we played at England's training ground um, mm. and there's just stuff like that we've, we've that's St George's Park yeah great um, and we played we play in Woking Lose uh, we played at Brian's training ground um, trying to think what else we've won the play a few times around the place um and, and what sort of player are you? If you? You've scored eighty odd goals in three years. So what are you? The num are you the number nine, the old fashioned centre forward? Nah, number fourteen. Um, <laughs> but now nah, we've only li- literally we won the postcode lottery trust thing where we got free kit. Um, lovely kit, but it's got nothing to do with QPR. But it's lovely that like, we we finally got numbers. Um, which is something we've always wanted to have numbers on the back of our shirts, so we can do that. But we've obviously we've also got the area kit, um, which for the first time that since I've been here in four years, we've actually had the, the in-date kit, mm-hmm. um, which is you, you take it as you can really with that. But yeah. But would you say you're a striker? You. <clears throat> Everyone looks to to you to to get the goals. If you've scored that many, you must be. 
What are you, Connor? Are you a Connor Washington? Are you a Matt Smith? Are you a Charlie Austin? What type of player? I'm greedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like, but to me, like, I I do my job well. Um, like my team rely on me to get the goals because I've proven myself to be a reliable player and that I can actually um, do that. Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't. I say I'm a mix of people. Um, like obviously, I feel like my my personal favourite is Ronaldinho. Can't do half the stuff he does, but <laughs> give it a go. Like, there's only one way to find out if you can do it. And, and you talk, You said you've got six months left. Does, is that because you're you're getting too old for the team or something? Oh no no, no. As, as in for the season. Before oh, right. the season okay. finishes because my goal is to finish my fourth season as QPR striker with 100 goals. That'd be um, wicked. That'd be good. And 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 you, are you is your ambition to carry on down the coaching route? Um, I want to do both. Like I still want to play, um, but last year I got played with injuries just constantly. My ankles were giving out, and my all that sort of stuff. But I'm 22. Like I've still got plenty of fight in me. It's just if my body can handle it. But the coaching route. I can see myself doing that till I can't walk because um, it's just so enjoyable to do it as well and I don't for me I don't work with mainstream kids I work with the disability side of QPR Trust um, so I work with the kids with Down syndrome pan-disability uh, mental health um, and for me that to see someone smile because I'm helping them play football it it makes you feel a lot better about yourself and the fact that for me personally it's more about I've been in a dark place where I couldn't smile so if I can make someone smile then all the pain that I've gone through is worth it because I can stop someone else doing it and it's the same with the football it's the same with all that it's why I went on BBC2 it's why I did all the interviews why I spoke at Parliament was I want people to realise that having a mental illness isn't the end and even though sometimes it does feel like it it doesn't mean it's the end of your life really um, and it's just about helping others who are in the same predicament that I was in to get out of it and it's even if it's people who haven't got went to the doctor to see someone it's about just saying do you know what it's okay to talk it's okay to be sad it's okay to feel heartbroken or distressed um. I was going to ask you about that because actually it's quite timely it was International Men's Day yesterday um, which is a sort of international day encouraging men to talk about um, mental health issues and some of these stats are, 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 are well shocking I guess to, to if, if you're not involved with it I think over 4% 4 to 10% of men will experience depression at some point in 2013 there were 6,000 suicides in the UK amongst men age 15 plus and the statistics show that just in a typical football squad there could be up to nine members of it with a mental health issue what would you say to people who are uh, who are experiencing an issue uh, and what they need to do the best thing you could do for yourself is recognize if you have a problem um, that is that's the main struggle is recognising you actually have a problem um, because 
for years I didn't recognise I had a problem and then it got to the point where I was put in a hospital where my problems all came out um, it's just about getting the right help and being around people who bring you up and support you um, I've been lucky enough to have a family that saw me in hospital but didn't let me become a number in the system um, like with the statistics it, it's 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 sad because um seventy five percent of men under forty five will take their own life, which is the single biggest killer and I'm talking about you've got cancer, you've got car accidents, you've got all the stuff that could kill normal people, but one we can prevent is the biggest killer and unfortunately, I know that firsthand because my dad's one of that statistic um and I know if you ask anyone who's part of that statistic, I mean family members, they're not just a statistic. They're a loved one. They're a, they're a brother or a sister. I would say sister, but they're a brother or a dad, a son. Um, and it's just about getting help, really, because there is help available, whether it's the best or not, not really, but it's there. And if you... <coughs> If you talk about your problems, it makes things a lot, a hell of a lot easier. Um, it's not always easy to do it, but it is worth it because if I didn't talk about my problems, I wouldn't be here today. Um, yeah. James, <clears throat> first of all, can I just say you speak very well. I think on, on, on mental illness, on playing for the team, on assessing the game, on assessing the fact that we're not bringing young players through. I mean, everything tonight you've said has been absolutely spot on and you're welcome back any time. I just want to take you back to, you mentioned earlier on about Parliament, and you did Parliament in Victoria Derbyshire in the space of about 24 hours. So can you tell us how that came about and how doing those two things was? Well, less than 24 hours, about... <laughs> it was about, I would say about... So we finished at nine and I was, had to be at the show for... Less than 12 hours. Um, but basically, so there's an organisation called Mental Health Football Association, um, which was set up by Colin, who plays for Everton's mental health team. And he wanted, his goal was to bring all the mental health teams in the country together. So if someone asked, so basically like a, a big yellow pages, but of mental health football teams. So if someone was in London, what mental health teams were in London that they could go for? or in Everton or wherever and um, he had arranged it with Andy Burham Andy Burham booked the room um, and he went to me he was like I need speakers for it and he rang me up and he was like you're the first one I thought of because you speak about your problems as we all should we should be so open about it we should say this is what is going on and he said I've seen because he, I played with him in 2013 when I started first playing for QPR and he said you play football as well but you speak about it and he he had seen the post I put on Facebook about um, about my dad and he, he knew that football had had the same impact on me that it did for him so he just rang me up and was like can you do this for me it's in parliament um, and I was like yep yeah. So halfway through the speech, Andy Burham gets a text message while he sat right next to me while I'm speaking. And then he starts laughing. Well, not laughing like proper loud, but he's just giggling at his phone. So he showed Colin next to him and was just like... So I didn't think any of it. And then 
it came to an end and he sort of came over to me and he was like, he was like, there's a BBC editor here who heard you speaking. Can she have your number? So I was like, all right, fair enough. Like, I didn't have any clue about what it was about or anything like that. So I'm, we get outside, me and my mum, a few others, and get outside and uh, get a phone call. So I'm like, hello, who's this? And she was like, it's Louisa from BBC Two. But I didn't hear that. I just heard Louisa. So she's speaking to me and she was like taking all a little bit of information down to put it up on for the next day. And um, she goes, you're going on BBC Derbyshire, which is what I thought I heard, but it wasn't. So I... So <laughs> you thought it was BBC Derby? Yeah, the radio show. I said, that's why I said it to them. I was like, I said, I said it to my mum. I was like, how did they expect me to get up there for seven o'clock the next day? <laughs> and she, and then she, she gave me a dress in London. I was like, this isn't right. I don't know what's going on. So anyway, it comes, I've got to be there for seven o'clock. So I'm leaving my house, like absolutely shattered. So I'm like, so I get into the thing, you get a pass from the security, sit in the green room. And I'm just like looking at the pass, like half out of my head. Oh, I was just like, can't be bothered. So then I was like looking at it, and then my mum rings me. She went, do you know what you're on yet? I was like, no, nah, just BBC Two. She went, Victoria Derbyshire, and I went, that's what it says on the past. She went, do you know who that is? I said, I'm not even up this more early, just normally. <laughs> so then Victoria walks in, sees my speech, because I had a speech that I said in Parliament, and um, she asked to read it, so I was like, all right, read it. And then she goes out, and mum rings me again. She's like, she's like, have you seen anyone? I was like, yeah, she's just come in now. She was like, do you know who she is? I was like, no, like, I don't watch TV on a good day anyway. So next thing you know, there's this massive man with this camera in my face just looking at me, and I'm like, this is the most awkward thing in my entire life. Later that day, for, I think it was the first hour, I had 75,000 views. By the end of that day, it had a million. Um, the second one didn't go down that 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 good, but um, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I, I think the second one was more laid back with the players, and it was more me in my zone in the football pitch. Um, but yeah, going from Parliament to BBC Two wasn't—I didn't have a clue. Like, <laughs> and then a few months later, you get an award for it. It's a whirlwind few months, isn't it, mate? Yeah, the last seven months have been an incredible journey. Like, I'm just thankful to everyone. QPR fans, QPR have supported me, my family, my friends. Um, I don't think I would have done it without them. Um, and especially the reception it got, the first one, with all... It was a bit overwhelming because I'm the person that likes their private life. Um, but from being a nobody to a million people seeing my story in one day. Um, when you thought you were in Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I thought I was just a face for the radio. Um, well, you did great. You did, you did oh, great, James. Amazing, and amazing. look, prepared or not, or knowing where you were going or not, um, I think, you, you know, Q, QPR fans, football fans, and the general public are full of admiration what you've done 
um, and doing that interview, and I think it, it, it's probably had a, a long-lasting effect on a lot of people. So thank you for coming and joining your story, so uh, and sharing your story. I beg your pardon. Um, well, we're not, we're not quite done with the show yet, and it almost seems inadequate now to sort yeah, of how do we do mean. that? How do we segue onto football from here? I mean, some of the nonsense that we talk on here, uh, uh, you know, most yourself, of the time, you know, about yeah. was that a penalty or yeah. was it a goal or drop this one or this manager should be sacked seems totally, totally inadequate. Why did I go to Switzerland and bring back completely the wrong chocolate for everyone? That was bad. <laughs> I, I didn't catch any of that. Well, but <laughs> no, I went to Switzerland and got abused for bringing back the wrong chocolate from my daughter. And I, I just, oh, I see. Yeah. It was like, how can you go to the capital of the world for chocolate and bring back salt, which is basically a protein bar? My friend Alan did the same thing with his family. It's okay. Well, I bought well, some chocolate shamrocks back from Ireland. They went down well. Oh, you tourist. Well, listen, were, were you absolute <laughs> tourists? <laughs> We've got to jump uh, straight into the R's end. Yeah. Um, including uh, James. So, so we'll ask you your R's end. We'll come to you last, which is... This part of the show is anything and everything about QPR that we anybody hasn't mentioned yet and wants to get in. So you, you can have a few minutes to think about it. Um, I'll go first. Um, what was I going to talk about? <laughs> the difference between Albert Adoma... Uh, I was going to say that. Were you going to say this? And John no, Terry. No. Oh, no, no, no. And John Terry. So Albert Adoma scored against us, behaved respectfully. You know, what a sort of stand-up guy I guess he scores two goals um, against, the club he loves. against the club he loves he's from West London and he behaves Yeah, I, I, you know I have to say I, I don't always like it when players don't celebrate and I would have allowed him a bit, of, a bit more of a celebration oh, you'd have allowed him, would you? yeah I would have allowed him you never know be pleased with that. but you know it was all in proportion and respectful wasn't it compared to John Terry and his Instagram and Snapchat message um and if anyone didn't see it, I think he said, walking away from Loftus Road with three points as usual. That was something. Can, can I just come in though, right? He's played, unless I've got this wrong, three times, and he's got one of each, and a 220,000 fine for being a racist gobshite. And losing England captaincy, well done, Ball Street, for pointing that out as well, where I got it from. So he goes to Loftus Road, he gets fined £220,000, he loses a captaincy, ends up in court for being a racist gobshite, and it's just. So we win. We'll always win. I mean, the difference difference between them two players is that one's a quite nice, humble human being and the other one's John Terry. Yeah. Chris. Adomar. Adomar. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, I think it's Adomar. Regardless of that, yeah, it's just on that subject of being a QPR fan, played for Harrow Borough. I'm just wondering quite how he slipped through the net. Um, Stuart Mm. Pearce, the Wallace Brothers, Dennis Wise. He went to Barney. Yeah, he went to Dennis Wise in the jungle now, hasn't he? Um, which is apropos to actually nothing at all. Um, but yeah, he went to Barnet, then Bristol City, but we, we somehow missed out on him. Um, I was going to say, I mean, the difference between us and Villa, I mean, they, apparently they've spent £36 million since they got relegated, so they, they really... They like we've never spent, we've spent a lot more than that since we got relegated. <laughs> no, I, no, points are absolutely taken, but I'm just saying that we're, not, we're in that sort of reverse situation now. The one thing I did do, um, I turned the calendar out, Luongo was on the QPR calendar on my daughter's wall in um, October, that's and as nice. I turned it over, I, I said, Do you know, I've got a feeling this is a bad move. So this morning, I've turned it back from November back to October. So I'm hoping... I thought and it was strange that he started. 
I have to say. Yeah, it surely would have made sense to do what they did and just bring him on for the last 25. With the uh, Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, he has been at home. He's been amazing. Oh, he yeah. He can't have got back before Friday morning, earliest. Yeah, yeah. but And he obviously went out on the piss. You'd think after, so, yeah. And it's a long journey. I mean, that is... That is I, I mean, have no idea what the... David, you're talking about long journeys. You live in the Northern Line, son. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I did. I did no, cut that was across a, that, your that, that was it really. I mean, it's what that's that's silly thing you do, lucky pants and all that. So the calendar has been turned back. So I'm hoping that that might bring us a bit. Chris, of I'm not style. being funny. Please don't take this the wrong way. With your memory being what it is, is that a wise thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh. you, Paul. Um, just just keep it to six R's ends. <laughs> there we go. Seven. Well, it's no, no. Um, just basically, it's it's really interesting. And Saturday, I did a. It's a strange thing. I did a thing for Aston Villa TV. This, I don't even know how I did it. I was drunk. You did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, is that the thing I'm... The you're guy such a media yeah. darling. Yeah, you, you put me in touch with the thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, nice fella, but it's kind of like, they basically came here to interview us, maybe have a wee bit of a giggle. We spent so much money and we're in the position we're in. Blah, yeah. Blah. And it's, it's just interesting that he sort of said about QPR and local area, and I was just like, yeah, but what you don't get is a lot of people come to Loftus Road. It got me thinking... Um, because of the links we've got to the past, you know, be it our grandfathers, our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, whoever took us to games first, whoever was there, whoever introduced us to this wonderful thing. And because of the, what, how do you call it, the regeneration of London, mm. so many people don't live in West London anymore. And it is kind of the last link. Whereas I don't think clubs from outside London get that. Because if you're Birmingham, obviously, yeah. you're Philip Birmingham, everything else. And it got me thinking, it'd be really great if we could have a, a thing at QPR where those who are no longer with us could have some representation on a wall or something like that there where families can put names up and, and, and such well, like. Well, Sorry. we are, we're recording now about 200 yards away from the Emirates and when you walk down there, they've got a hole in front of the, 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 in front of the stadium, the in front yeah. of the shop, they've got basically the, the pavement. Every single dip brick on the pavement you could buy and dedicate to Wembley's a family member. Wembley's quite as well. Yeah. It'd be nice because it's, it's, cause it is, London is changing, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, I, you know, despite the dodgy accent, I grew up in Westburn Park and I've moved away. And, and everyone I, I knew in Westburn Park who was QPR have also moved away, some up to north, some every, everywhere. So, which brings me on to my point, which I was getting to, David, eventually. <laughs> Give me strength. Is this not, was that not your point? <laughs> God, uh, are you serious? Yeah, I've got a point. And, 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 <laughs> What's Ronnie Corbett? Yeah, come on. If, if we go ahead with all this, this regeneration and move and everything else, yeah. and we move away from Loftus Road, that's going to be hard, isn't it? But luckily, it will probably never happen, so we don't have to worry about it. Because I watched the fans for them, and still talk about the training ground, still talking about moving away from Loftus Road. Why don't it's we like just... Groundhog Day, isn't it? Oh, why can't we just improve Loftus Road? I mean... You've got the family section, which has got the, you know, you've got the eel bar, you've got the bar, you've got the food, you've got everything. You're just African Road. You're lucky if you get served. So, can we please do up the ground a wee bit and make the match day experience that wee bit nicer? And also, one last thing. Yeah, go on. That's Sorry, James. James will, James will finish eventually. He'll get home at some point. Wasn't it nice to have such a good atmosphere on Saturday? That was so different to most games. I mean, I know Villa are arrogant. I know that, that they like. I mean, they were saying you've only here for the Villa, and I was like, you're only in the Championship because you're shite. Um, and it just—it's brilliant to see a, a packed ground. 
survey came out last week that no youngsters are going to football. Mm-hmm. That's got to be addressed. That's got to be sorted. And they've got to think about um, away prices because to have a full away end does lead to you know what the problem is with that. I know. I know we're like running over and Harry. Sorry, Harry. For us tonight. Yeah, I, I work with a lot of younger people 21, 22, 23 year olds they don't support anyone they love football Seriously. they watch football You're not, James is nodding but they don't support a team there's loads of young people now who just like watching does football that they then, like the Premier League does that go Am back right? yeah. does that go back then James you reckon to the community thing as well for people not feeling part of their own community because of whatever reason well I know quite a few people that and I've I've talked to a few people. If they can't get to a big game like Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, they'll just buy a, a Fulham or a QPR one, but not even support them. Um, and it's difficult because obviously, the next generation. Like if I ever have a kid, I'll bring them to QPR, whether that's the right decision or whatever. That, <laughs> but I think a lot of a lot of them just don't know who they want to support because mm. they see all these big players and think. Oh, I like him, but I like him. But for me, football's football at the end of the day. If it doesn't matter who you support, like obviously I was brought up Liverpool, but QPR is my blood now, it's it's where I am at home. I've been to Liverpool twice. I've been to QPR both last last season and this season, every game. Um I think people need to get more interested in it because it's the same with like the actual players they're just losing interest like because now you go to a football game all you see is people taking selfies or doing no. stuff like that and they're no, not right. they're not enjoying the match they're You've just been to a game with Finney then nah <laughs> but they're not in, they're not entirely <laughs> they, they just want to show off on social media like they're not actually interested in the 90 minutes of football obviously you get your die hard fans but at the end of the day, it's all tourism now, really, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's yeah. a fair point, because we played Man United on, um, and in the lower paddocks, there was a lot of cameras following the ball. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was on, you know, of course there's no Man United fans in the home sections. But tell you what, James, I'll say this, and I don't know what you guys think. Well done to QPR for what you've said, what you've done coming in here. There is sometimes we get very down on our end, yeah. Yeah. So, what would you like to say, James? What would you, I was just to... going to say something nice about QPR, go which on, is then, negative. Go on. Sorry, which, James. He's <laughs> sorry, James. This a lot. Sorry. And go I on, think bro. this is James is a product of a real football club. Was what I was saying. Sorry, yeah. James. Yeah. yeah. So, James, um, you can have your say on that now. Just a quick thing with that. It's do you know what? We're, obviously, watching the game, and you want them to win, but we forget about the things that happen off the pitch. Yep. Um, for me, it saved my life, but then you've got the tragic events at Grenfield, the stuff. Yeah. I was working that day, um, so we actually got called in to bring plastic bags full of stuff up to the, the towers. Um, and it's just stuff like that. We, we, we think it's just 90 minutes of football twice a week, when actually the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is... That's what I mean. Like I know myself with healthy kickers, the amount of the amount of people that they help, it just goes unrecognised. And for me, the heroes aren't the football players. It's the coaches that go into the community. And and well I've, been, I've been lucky enough to be part of QPR um, because I've heard some shocking stories of some other teams. But 
that's what I mean. Like at the end of the day, if I didn't, I can put it down to three coaches that really have changed my life and saved it, which is Connor, Nathan, and Justin. Without those three, and without the football itself, I don't think I'd be here. And it's people like that that deserve the recognition. I know, but they don't want it for that. They do it to change people's lives, and that's why. I'm glad now I can do that to other people by coaching. Um, but my little buggy issue is so, it gets me frustrated. Is the Royal Panda on the kit? <laughs> <laughs> it's way too high. Like, yes. why would you have it yes. so yes. high up? Yes. Yeah. Like, you see all the other teams and it's like on their stomach, but this one's like <laughs> just under the badge, under the sponsor, and it's just like. Looks I love that we've spent the best part of an hour. Talking about some quite heavy stuff, and and you, the thing that you are bothered about is that Royal Panda's a hoop too high. Yeah, but we we, we get you, t- we get you. I think that's for TV and picture purposes, obviously to get in every shot. So, yeah. but even that it still looks horrible. Way. Like yeah. the kit's nice. I'm not saying the kit isn't. It's just that bit ruins it for me. It ruins. <laughs> if it. I wasn't so fat, I'd buy one of the kids' ones because I like the on sport hoops as it should be. Yeah. We're lucky enough because when we got our new kit for the area, we don't have it on it. Um, oh, wicked, so when man. we go to tournaments, we don't have Royal Panda. You got an extra large one kicking around. <laughs> I don't know what we've got. Probably kid sizes to be Extra fair. large for you. A wee bit generous. Mm. <laughs> um, right, James. Pr- sorry, Chris. Were you about to say something? No, I wasn't. No, I was just going to say. Pr- right, are we going to predictions? We yeah. always finish off with predictions, James. Uh, with how? What do you think the, the Derby game will bring us tomorrow? And we should do Brentford as well. So what does this get? Scores. Scores. It does. Just what do you think the score will be? The last game we beat them 3-0. I remember that one. So I'm going to go for 2-1, I'd say, to keep you up. Tomorrow against Derby? Yeah. And Brentford on Monday? Oh, tomorrow. Oh, I thought thought that was Brentford. Okay. So you think we'll beat Brentford? Yeah, we're going to beat Brentford 2-1. Derby? I'd say I'm going to go with 0-0. Oh, I'm going to go with 0-0. Chris? Well... We've won four points out of 32 possible away this season. Uh, not one away since 4-1 at Birmingham in February, which is nine months. You could have a baby in that time. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think that's going to change, but I do think we have to nick a point, really, because we're, we're two, two games to, to the bad now, and I don't want us to go on another one of those runs, so I'm going to say one all. One all. And Brentford? Uh, Brentford? Oh, yeah, we'll thrash them. I think... I, I think, I've, I think Maybe 2 0. I'll go 2 0. Finney, you, you, for the love of God, I'm trying to finish this podcast. Please just give us the score. <laughs> Please. He's just giving me an interesting thought. Do you reckon there will be a child at primary school before we win an away game that was conceived? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Scores. It's nearly Tuesday. Do yes. I look like George in the doors? No. no. Um, right. I'm going. Derby, our away form isn't great. It's been a long time and it may continue to be a long time for the next win, but I'll take a point. Brentford. Sick the fucking death losing the Fulham and Brentford. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. hate it. Should never happen. It's local derby. Can't lose another one. Give it all. Beat Brentford on Monday. Thank you very much. I'm feeling two draws. A one all and a two two. Don't know in which order. Thank you very much, chaps. James, thank you so much for Amazing joining us. Legend, legend, Amazing legend. story. Uh, what you've gone through and come out the other side at the age of 22 is more than probably... Um, most people You've done your most, family project, most groups combined will, will go through in their entire lifetime done that's family right project, absolutely to, yeah. to come on here and do that is amazing well done mate well please done, do you. come on again yeah. yeah please do mate thank you very much for listening this is Open All Ours we will be back next week UP
Give me up. Give me up. 